Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, There Will Be Movie Reviews. I am your host, Ryan Holmes. And today, on our sixth episode, I have a special guest known as my uncle. Yeah, so Uncle Brad, he's from New York, and he's a he's a photographer there. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brad. Uh, yes, I'm a photographer, um, and like you, I, I've been a movie buff all my life. Yeah, and uh, it was exciting for me to see you many years ago, uh, leafing through uh, giant volumes of uh, film trivia. And mm -hmm. uh, you seem to know more than I did about many of the movies that I loved, even though you <laughs> hadn't seen them yet. I know. <laughs> so that was that was pretty cool, and I'm glad to see that your your love of movies has evolved and continues to evolve and now this yeah oh thank you so much yeah thanks wow so um today we're gonna be talking about a probably one of your favorite movies brad i know this if not your favorite movie and what movie is that brad uh today we'll be talking about raging bull by director martin scorsese his classic 1980s film about uh jake lamata the boxer oh man yeah i know what a classic film one of the most you know influential influential studied films uh of our time i think um this film so i'll give just a little brief uh, introduction to this film to the viewers so it came out in 1980 and is based on the book of the same name by jake lamada uh directed by the great martin scorsese and written by paul schrader and martic martin it stars robert de niro as Jake LaMotta, Joe Pesci, Catherine Moriarty, as Vicky LaMotta, Frank Vincent, as Salvi, Nicholas Colastanto, as Tommy. And this film was nominated for six Oscars, won two Oscars for Best Actor in a Lead Role in Best Editing, and was nominated for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Director, Best Cinematographer, Best Cinematography, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, and Best actress in a supporting role so it's not yeah, bad it, not bad at all not bad at all <laughs> it's it's too bad that it didn't win you know best director or even best picture um because it's such a it's such a well-received film and it's very very well known uh one of the greatest drama films and one of the greatest sports films of all time i think so i don't know about you but do you think this is probably the greatest sports film of all time uh well going back to your earlier point i i do think it's probably my favorite film i think it's one of the greatest of all time yeah. uh the american film institute ranks it four uh out of the top 100 films behind i think uh citizen kane casablanca uh the godfather raging bull is four yeah and uh, scorsese made the list two other times with taxi driver and goodfellas but so uh one of the greats probably my favorite film and uh i mean there's a lot of great sports films but um i would i would have to rank this one tops yeah uh, it, it, 100% it's it finally you know i'm getting to talk about uh film by the great martin scorsese again as a, as i said before and he if not is one of the most original uh, directors of our time, I think he is. He's influenced so many other directors, and they talk about him as just so humble and brilliant. And this film really shows. I think it was 
it, it was at the point where he was just getting started in his film career. Um, you know, he was just coming off uh, New York, New York and Taxi Driver, which boosted him a little bit more. But this fi film, he was finally nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. And it really um, brought him into the spotlight, I think, and gave him that advantage to create even bigger films and uh, you know, that were even a little bit more popular than Raging Bull was, like Goodfellas or uh, Casino, The Aviator. So the list goes on. He's he's incredible. Um, the Wolf of Wall Street, you know? He can go on forever and ever uh, with this incredible director. And this film, I think, was very, very personal to him. And he, he says a quote of, you know, the best movies are the personal ones, I think. It, it goes a little something like that. And that I think this film really shows that. Um, yeah, it, I don't know I if you can was... agree, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I think, extremely personal uh, to him. Um, going back to, uh, you know, the beginnings of his film career, I think after Taxi Driver, New York, New York wasn't as well received and he was having um, sort of going through some personal struggles and uh, he jumped right from New York, New York to the filming The Last Waltz, uh, the concert movie about the band. And their last concert, and he had he had kind of hit a wall. I think uh, I think he was feeling a little depressed from the reviews of New York, New York, and yeah. he was having some personal struggles with his marriage and things like that. So he initially didn't want to do Raging Bull. Scorsese brought it to him, and and uh, brought it to him, and yeah. he wasn't he didn't he didn't have uh, he wasn't a sports guy. So I think it was a little bit of a foreign subject matter for him initially, yeah. but partly because of the personal struggles that he was going through, um, he, uh, he started to see something in Jake's own story of struggle and redemption. He started to identify with the character yeah. personally, and it, I think it kind of changed the way that he saw the character and it, it changed the way that, uh, you know, he approached the project. And so it, be, it did become a very personal film. So he yeah. saw, he saw a parallel, I think, between Jake LaMotta's redemption, if you can call it that, and his own kind of coming out of this very troubled period where he didn't think he was going to live at all. So yeah. um, it was, it was, and then when he finally did get on board with the project, he just sort of, uh, you know, he went, went for it like a hundred percent. Yeah, I, exactly. Well, he, yeah, he thought this was going to be his last film of all time, actually. He was, he didn't, th he thought this was going to be the last film he would ever make. And so he took it very, very personal and with caution. And he took, he, he, you know, even the producers would get very, very, um, you know, bothered with him and annoyed because he took so long in post-production working in on and editing the film and taking time and, it's true because art takes time and he that, that yeah. it shows in the film it it shows it's a visually stunning masterpiece it, it's it's incredible and again as you were saying before i just wanted to mention like so yeah like it, it was in 1978 when uh martin scorsese was like he was at his all-time low and he was like a near overdose of uh, cocaine and i had no idea until like a, a few days ago when i was you know working on this um working on just finding facts for this podcast and i had no idea he like had a near overdose with cocaine and robert de niro 
visited the hospital and told him he had to clean himself up and and make this movie because uh, Robert De Niro was, thought this film was he thought this this film had potential and the script had potential. So and then De Niro Yeah, he was he wasn't yeah. going to he wasn't going to let him off the hook. He wasn't going to settle for anybody else but but Scorsese and uh I think, you know, in a way it kind of did save his life or maybe saved his career. I think um, so. And, uh, you know, thanks in part to De Niro's persistence in getting him to, to come on board with the project. Yeah, it, it's it, totally. And I think it's Scorsese, he, he was able to, or Robert De Niro, I was saying, he, he has such an important role in the making of this film too. Not only being a, being able to like he was rewriting the script with Scorsese and um being able to create this incredible character and so iconic and so memorable and I think that's what the first topic of discussion we uh should go into is about the character um of Jake LaMotta by Robert De Niro um so I don't know if you, yeah, you can go ahead and talk about uh, his character because he's very, very iconic and very, very uh, well thought or interesting character. Yeah, so go ahead if you want to speak. Well, I, I saw the, I'm trying to remember when I saw the, first saw the film. Um, I think I didn't see Taxi Driver until maybe the uh, mid to late 80s. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of my entree into uh, Scorsese as a director. And then I started watching everything. And then, um, you know, I saw Raging Bull um, for the first time and was just floored by it. And I think I've probably seen it five times uh, since then. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a powerhouse performance by um de niro everything about the film um i mean everything it just there's it's it's hard to find fault with any aspect of the film from yeah. the from the screen uh, from the screenplay to the directing to the cinematography to the acting to the soundtrack <laughs> to the yeah. sound sound design which is amazing that's one thing that i really paid close attention to on this this most recent watching was just how amazing the sound editing was, especially especially during the fight scenes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I'm I think I'm rambling a little bit off off point here. What was what was the question about about? Uh, well, why LaMotta? do you think why do you think Jake Lamada is so? Why do you think he's such a studied character? I guess, or why do you think he's so he's so popular popularized now or you know when people look at this film and see this film why do you think people are so interested in this character because obviously i think this film is about it's it's not plot driven it's more character driven i think yeah by his by that character and i think there's uh, no you can go ahead and yeah well part of it part of it's like it's a little bit like watching a train wreck like it's it's hard to look away mm-hmm but it's it's gruesome, it's grotesque, um, but we're we're compelled by it and we're attracted to it. And I think 
some of the attraction. We end up actually end up sort of sympathizing with this character who's just such a who's such a brute. Yeah. And um, you know, I've thought about this question, and I I think it comes down to you know the the characteristics that are displayed by this person are these very raw human emotions, and I think every person, every human being is capable of this wide range of emotions. Um, his are at an extreme level, but I think that um, I think that everyone can kind of maybe not see them in a way see themselves no totally in this, yeah. in this character. Um, and they, it's it's a cautionary tale uh, in a way. Um, like you don't want to follow in Jake Lamata's footsteps. But I think, um, you know, we can sort of feel for him and, and I don't mean just in a sympathetic way, but feel, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it, 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 sometimes it seems like he doesn't have feelings or he doesn't have a sort of an understanding of how his actions affect other yeah. people. And so we, we kind of, a lot of his behavior is kind of cringeworthy. Yeah. But um, I think by the end of the film, when he loses everything and there's that sort of emotional climax when he's, he's thrown in jail yeah. and he's, he's crying and he's, you know, he's, he's asking himself the question, why, why, why? And, and saying like, I'm not an animal. He's kind of, he's kind of having his own little awakening, whether he realizes it or not, mm -hmm. um, that his actions have consequences. And I think everyone can relate to those sorts of feelings, obviously not at such an extreme level, but yeah. Um, um, yeah. yeah it's no, this. what I, I saw a, um, I saw something online talking about how, you know, he's not only the protagonist, but he's also in a way the antagonist because oh, yeah. he's, again, he's a character that deals with, so much jealousy and paranoia and i think that's a thing that people see a lot today uh, not only with you know social media <laughs> is a big yeah. influencer on that but and you know it being jealous of your lover and somebody that you love i don't think he truly understands how to love someone either because he's, he has this fear that she's going to that she's going to be with some other man. And I feel he believes that any woman or any man that, uh, that Vicky is with is, is a threat to him. And right. it kind of shows that on the ring. So that see all those scenes where he is in the ring are him kind of being able to use that anger and that jealousy and that paranoia and put it onto the ring. And when he fights the one dude, cause she says, she makes this little comment, Vicky, she says, you know, he's got a pretty face. Right. And Gennaro. Uh, yeah. Huh? Gennaro is yeah. the, the boxer. Yeah. Yeah. That's who it was. Yeah. And yeah. he's, he's like, he's attached to that whole idea of her saying that. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't, you know, if, Somebody says, like, you know, if in, in reality, when somebody says something like that, you don't, you're, if, if my girlfriend or uh, your wife would say, oh, yeah, he's got a pretty face, you're not going to be so concerned about this whole idea. And that 
plays into the uh, film and his character. He deals with so much jealousy and um, jealousy and paranoia. And he's known as this the greatest fighter at of the time. And boxing was such a big thing uh, back then too. He's almost bigger than say football of the time, and everyone was watching. And so he's known as this incredible fighter inside the ring, but outside of the ring, he is this you know he's almost evil he he's he hits well he's he's incredibly insecure yeah exactly and, and so this insecurity uh just drives him to uh you know just be you know just he's he's so relentless about about um you know this this fear that he has that his woman prefers might prefer somebody else over him because he has such i think such a low opinion of himself yeah. and going back to some of the scenes in the in the ring yeah he t he he takes it all out on other people in the ring he takes out all his anger and aggression but it's also some of the some of the shots of him in the ring it's um it's almost like self abuse like when he just hangs onto the ropes and lets sugar ray robinson like like pound him yeah and no he just feel, he, yeah he feels he deserves that he, which is which is sort of a flashback to like the very beginning of the film when he's in the apartment in the bronx and he's telling his brother joey to like punch him in the face and then uh his, his brother is punching him in the face and and finally at the end of the scene he's asking you know what is it what does it prove yeah and jake lamata says says nothing he just has this sort of like wry smile on his face yeah. It's it's kind of like self abuse and and almost like self hatred whether he sees it that way or not and I think that all of that feeds into his insecurities which leads to the jealousies and you know um, you know that that scene with Gennaro in the kitchen when when Vicky first mentions him that's the first glimpse we have of of this deep seated jealousy and insecurity before that he's just sort of this this macho guy but that that's sort of like the beginning yeah. of of his unraveling is when you start to see how vulnerable he is um uh around his fears of, of being hurt or being thought less of and i think it's just all a reflection of his own his own inner turmoil it's it's yeah. really kind of a it's it's sort of an external uh view of how he feels inside which is you know um i think there's a lot of self self-hatred there exactly no i i couldn't agree more it, it's totally he totally has this self-hate for each self-hatred for himself um is another thing about robert de niro that is so insane it, it's pretty incredible what he did to deserve that oscar i think and you know one of the reasons that helped him is this he went full into this role he he really this is like robert de niro i feel at his prime you know just the taxi driver had just came out and um you know now raging bull in the deer hunter and it's like right in the late 70s and then the early 80s are i feel like true like real 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 robert de niro and that's when his best acting was and part of this role is he almost he has the second most weight that he has gained for a role i think the first is uh correct me if i'm pronouncing it wrong uh vincent 
Dion Frio, I'm not sure, in full metal jacket. He where oh, he gained Donofrio. Donofrio, yeah. He gained yeah. 70 pounds, whereas Robert De Niro gained 60 pounds for this role. But De Niro did it first. Yeah, De Niro did it first, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, incredible. Yeah. I was trying to think of other people who have done the weight thing. Uh Christian, Christian Bale, Bale did yeah. it for the machinist, right? He he lost, he lost weight. And then, but he's also done it for Vice and American Hustle. Yeah, he put he, on a bunch of weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he, De Niro put on like 60 pounds and that's, I think probably before I'd even seen the film, that was sort of like the thing you heard about the film was, you know, one of the, the things was, you know, this, this, uh, transformation. Um, and it is, it is shocking to see, I mean, you see him right at the beginning of the film, there's a brief scene where he's, he's doing his monologue Yeah, and then it goes right back into, you know, the fight scenes, but it's, it's shocking when you first see, <laughs> when you first see him um make that transformation but certainly yeah something everything everything was firing on all cylinders everything just sort of clicked into place with this performance i mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think there was like a um you know a wrong note anywhere in his performance he just really tapped into the character he was fully there not to say he's not like that in other in other roles but i think i think what you're you're suggesting maybe as there was a certain period uh, in his career, there are certain films that we love and, and think of as like, you know, um, De Niro films. And, and, and they are, I think, mostly his collaborations with Scorsese, with yeah. Scorsese and, and, yeah. and probably uh, Raging Bull is the, the peak of that collaboration as far as, as yeah. far as acting and as far as the you know what happens between a director and an actor in terms of trust and being able to try things and it's just a you know a, a perfect pairing if you will yeah like so i'll just a little fun fact about that that whole weight gain i think the majority of the film uh where jake's a younger man include including the boxing scenes were shot first and then they shut down pr production for several months and then that gave Robert De Niro enough time to bulk up for his role as the older and fatter Lamada and, and in those months he gained 60 pounds so he practically yeah. and so he'd eat um, don't try this at home yeah <laughs> you would eat a, a heavy pasta and drink a, down a vanilla milkshake before you could go to bed so that's uh that sounds disgusting but like yeah, I saw something. Uh, uh, Kathy Moriarty was was around her, and he he he'd be having his milkshake, and and uh, you know she she would have a milkshake with him, and she said she had to she had to stop <laughs> <laughs> because uh, her character's not supposed to put on sixty pounds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. I think I think maybe uh, Marty's mom was was making some of those pasta yeah <laughs> pasta meals for him. Yeah, uh, and you know it must have been hard to watch <laughs> yeah i know well he had also he even scorsese was worried about his weight at one point too because he he even there was at times when he had to shut down production just quickly because he was afraid he was afraid of his like uh, health he yeah was afraid of that so i i, I it, it sounds yeah. like it's as like the, the the second that production wrapped they wanted him to take that weight off right away because everyone was concerned about it. I mean, I don't think anyone had done it before. 
I don't um, no, I don't and, think so either. I can't, and and yeah. so you know, Scorsese was sort of trusting that he knew what he was doing and getting the correct advice from doctors, but you never know. I mean, it's uh, yeah. this is such a dramatic, a dramatic shift. Certainly not healthy, but um, I guess Scorsese, I guess uh, De Niro felt like, you know, prosthetics weren't yeah. going to. I mean, it, it's sort of the ultimate in method acting, right? To to do something like that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to what I was saying about uh, no wrong notes, I think, you know, it was just uh, so authentic, you know, in every in every aspect, including the including actual weight gain. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, just uh, uh, just incredible. Yeah, totally. There's if you if you look at when he's accepting the Oscar, he's totally. Oh man, he's so handsome and yeah. trim. He's got and... the beard and everything. He's got the flowy hair. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, and he's back to his thin. deer hunter, deer hunter self. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and totally. then uh, I forget. So, Raging Bull was nineteen eighty. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember when Cape Fear was? Cape Fear was nineteen ninety one. Ninety one. Okay, so I mean, just compare. So ten years later, like, uh, just compare those two physiques, right? I yeah, mean, it's I just know. it just sort of dramatizes this idea of like what he what he goes through to, to prepare himself for a role, not just mentally, but yeah. you know, physically. Um, that's pretty totally. pretty amazing. How do you like uh, How do you like uh, Joe Pesci in this film? He's uh, uh Pesci is amazing. Yeah. Um yeah, he's uh he's totally different from his any of his other roles I think. Whereas I think a, just a little bit. He definitely does have his still, you know, a little bit like scary feel like, you know, you don't yeah. want to mess with him. Uh but it's taken down a notch compared to Casino or Goodfellas where we most recognize him as or most uh remember him yeah. from i think you know yeah i mean there's right so he's he's uh he's much more grounded than he than his character the characters that he plays in the mafia mm-hmm. films like uh, goodfellas and and casino uh, much more brotherly there's mm-hmm. still you know there's still a threat of violence that runs through this entire film wh- whether it's de niro or you know pesci beating up salvi outside of the copacabana mm-hmm. um you know, there's, but he, there's, there's, I won't, I won't say a violent streak, but um, they came from a tough part of town. They came from the Bronx. Bronx they, yeah. they, they probably, you know, were street fighters and, and all this growing up, but um, no, he's, he's, it's an amazing performance. Um, I read I, this, something I didn't know was that De Niro, that he, he had retired from acting before Raging Bull. He was in a couple of movies um a couple of them with salvi so pesci kind of brought salvi along with him and pesci was also the one who introduced scorsese to kathy moriarty um but uh he was in a couple of movies before raging bull that didn't do well and he had basically said well this this acting thing's not going to work out for me so he opened up a restaurant and de niro had seen him in something i think he had seen one of these these films or he'd seen him in something else and and Scorsese and and uh, De Niro went to his restaurant and convinced him to come out and do the movie, which is interesting because I think the same thing happened all these years later with The Irishman, and yeah. 
Pesci had retired and, and there was De Niro, De Niro again, convincing him to come out and, and do the film. And I thought he was amazing in The Irishman as well. Yeah. But, um, he's a great actor. Um, I'm not, I'm actually not sure if some people would say he's underrated because um, I don't know if how, how he's, how he's necessarily thought of, um, you know, there were other, other films that weren't, weren't as, I would think so. I would think I think he's underrated because he's okay. kind of in the. He, I think he's just a little bit. He's almost. I wouldn't say he's in the shadow of maybe De Niro or Pacino in a lot of you know all the movies that he's in with um, with in Scorsese in any Scorsese film. It's Robert De Niro is the lead, I guess. In, in Goodfellas, maybe a little bit different, but like still, Robert De Niro is a much more well known much more well-known actor i think than yeah um, he's, a, he's a leading man and Pesci's, yeah, exactly. Pesci's like more of a character Supporting, actor. yeah he's not a leading man so he's not going to get those opportunities that a pacino or that a de niro is going to get exactly um, but everything that i've seen him in he's he's been great and didn't he win an oscar for goodfellas he won for goodfellas he won okay. best supporting actor for goodfellas and but he was also nominated for raging bull and the irishman for best okay Again, I thought, he was, I thought actor, he was yeah. great in The Irishman. I couldn't take my eyes off him. And it was just such an understated performance. It was very yeah. quiet, but uh, it's really, really good. Yeah, totally. And Kathy uh, Moriarty, she's this is her uh, debut performance too. And I think she's pretty good too. Again, she's she's quiet. She's quiet in, in the film, I notice. And that's a thing that I think, Robert De Niro and her have really good chemistry. A lot of the scenes together, they they are they are um they're improvised. The whole scene at the beginning where they're between the two cages, where she's in the pool and then he's right, uh, right yeah. by the car. That's all improvised, and I think a, yeah. a lot of the film is, and that's how it gets all those scenes where say um, Robert De Niro's talking and Robert De Niro and um, Joe Pesci are talking to each other, and then same with uh, when uh jake lamada and yeah jake and um vicky are talking to each other they are it's very it feels real it just feels real it's so it's not like this it's quiet and it's simple it's easy conversation it's not this super uh intense dialogue it's very just like Hey, you talking? Why are you calling right. him a pretty face? Like, why you why 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 you say he's a pretty face? What does that mean? It's just like yeah, it's very it's very naturalistic. Yeah, um, you know, I I love Aaron Sorkin's writings, but it's you yeah, know yeah. you can tell every word. I mean, it's 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 not it doesn't sound real. It's beautiful, but it doesn't sound real. That's like how really how people Tarantino, really speak. Yeah. But Raging Bull sounds authentic and. Uh, and yeah, Kathy Moriarty is incredible. She was, uh, I think, eighteen at the time, playing a fifteen-year-old. Was when <clears throat> yeah. when they met when they met at the pool. Yeah. Um, but she just has this. Uh, you said quiet. She just has this quiet presence, hmm. right? And uh, there's something very mysterious and knowing about her. And I just hmm. love some of the looks that that she gives. And. Hmm. Uh, yeah, she just uh I think she's she's amazing. And I think that's another thing that it's it, that's the reason why uh Jake Lamada falls in love with her, I think. It, it she almost she doesn't play this hard to get, but she's hard to reach. She's a hard to reach person. She doesn't 
she'll he'll ask him a ask her a question and give a simple answer and i think that's what's so hard for uh jake lamotta to understand because he wants to know everything that's going on he wants to make sure and that's where a lot of the trouble between the two come into play um, well i th and i think there's a lot of you know stuff that we don't we don't see i mean yeah. um and so that I think she's, I think she's learned. I mean, she lives with an abuser. I think she's learned, you know, we go from seeing these home movies uh, where they look happy and there's this moment of tenderness, you know, when they first get together after one of the, I think the Sugar Ray Robinson, the first Sugar Ray Robinson fight, one of the Sugar Ray Robinson fights. And there's that, there's, there's one scene in the movie where there's this real tenderness that's happening between them and she's kissing the cuts on his face Yeah, and he's calling them boo-boo kisses and it's just this sort of like little playful uh, scene, very normal in a way. Hmm. And then, um, you know, we go from, from that very quickly into, you know, it's, he's sort of back to the, the way he was treating and talking to his first wife and threatening exactly. violence, like, I'm going to smack you and... And, um, so there's, I think she's learned, we don't see this, we don't see this transformation, but she learns pretty quickly. I think that she has to kind of keep her player cards very close to the vest mm -hmm. and not, and not kind of reveal too much because I think she's figured out that anything she says is going to be used against her Yeah, and, totally. uh, taken out on her. So she's just, she's just trying to survive, but I think. You know, and she does say to her, her brother, uh, you know, Joey at one point says like, well, why don't, why don't you leave? And she says, I, I love him. And yeah. I think in her way, she, she, she does. And we don't really get into the backstory and the psychology of, of that, but, um, you know, uh, it's very common for, for people to stay with their abusers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's that the horrific scene where, you know, he accuses her in the bathroom. He, he's in the bathroom with her and he accuses her of being with her brother. Yeah. And then he ends up barging in on Joey's house. And there's oh, that terrible, man. terrible scene. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, what more reason, what more reason would she need to leave him than that? Yeah. And yet he comes, yet she comes home, starts packing her things and, and she stays. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing I think about uh, Robert De Niro or uh, Jake LaMotta is he he is still no matter what even though like because I think she's sleeping with your brother and she's sleeping with all these guys and he's you know obviously he's mad and there's no exception for is the acts that he does you know abusing his wife and his and like you know beating the crap out of his brother and she's going to leave him but he, no matter what he needs to be with her he needs to he needs to have her and that's that's the same thing with his brother he wants to be with his brother you know he he begs his brother he like when the very end of the film his brother's ignoring him walking down the road down the street and he he wants to see him no matter what and he has this fear of losing that person in their life too and i think that's he's yeah, that's where you can almost almost sympathize with him because the acts that he does are just terrible. He abusing his wife is is just awful. It's not acceptable, but it gets to the point where you just deep down he's you can almost sympathize for him because he's just 
He's so well, broken he's, down. He's so, and we were talking with, yeah, no, go ahead. He, he's just his own worst enemy. And yeah. at, a, at a certain point, you just got to be like, oh man, you just want this guy to get help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think the things that he does are, are so hateful, but at a certain point you realize like he, he just, he just can't help himself. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I read something about Scorsese was, you know, a lot of films that, you know, he had studied and looked at where there was, you know, an extremely flawed character. There would be some reveal at some point in the movie where you learn that, oh, he had a terrible childhood. Oh, his father or his father beat him. In Jake LaMotta's case, um, I'm trying to remember, you know, he, I don't think he wasn't orphaned, but I think he might have lived in a boy's home and, and, um, you know, he obviously he had some things going on in his childhood, but mm-hmm. Scorsese purposely uh, decided not to include any of that sort of psychological explanation of, yeah. of why he was the way he was. Um, and that's true of all, all the characters. There's no, the original script that uh, Schrader rewrote, the original script dealt had a much more chronological approach that talked about his childhood and, you know, was based more on the chronology of the book. Yeah. But, um, Scorsese cut all of that or Schrader. uh, Yeah. I heard that too. Removed a lot of that and, uh, sort of start in the middle of the story. And Scorsese was adamant that he didn't want to, he didn't want to go back into and try and explain, um, you know, why this character was so flawed. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and even so, I think the audience can't help but, but sympathize with him. You know, yeah. we don't need, we don't necessarily need to know why he is the way he is. We just, we just know he's in a lot of pain Yeah. and he, he, he takes it out on other people, which is not, not right. Yeah. Of course. And it's, it's hideous, but um, only a person who's in a, a terrible amount of pain would, would do those things. And you mm-hmm. just, you just hope and pray the whole movie that, that he will, <laughs> that he will, uh, you know, kind of come to some kind of realization, which I think he he does, he does yeah. towards the end. Um, I think, he does I, think too, yeah. I think a lot of his anger and rage is sort of spent in that terrible scene uh, where he he attacks his brother, um, and you know it's just like kind of one by one he he uh, alienates himself from everybody in his life. And finally, his wife leaves him, and he's he's all alone. And yeah. and I think that's sort of when he's, you know, finally comes to a place where, you know, he's done so much destruction. He can't. There's nothing else for. There's nothing left for him to destroy. And so there's mm-hmm. only he can only build himself up from there. He can only, you know, rise. Uh, one of the, one of the things that I I saw uh, a couple of days ago, I was watching an interview with. Uh, Jake LaMotta and he was saying that he took Vicky his ex-wife to the premiere of the movie mm-hmm. and uh, he turned to her after the movie and he said to her w- was I that bad yeah and she said you were worse oh uh, yeah I can imagine <laughs> that yeah no totally I mean the movie's the movie's two hours long I mean she lived with this guy she put up with that 
what we what we found yeah. so painful to watch for two hours. He was with the guy for however many however many years. I think it was yeah, it was from nineteen forty one till fifty seven or something like that. I think okay. so. It might yeah, it so might she, have been a little bit different, but so she had fifteen years of <laughs> yeah of that. We only had two hours of it. Yeah, exactly. Oh um, yeah, totally. But uh, but also the you know in that the fact that he took her to the premiere the fact that he could say was i that bad and and hear and be able to hear you were worse and he kind of laughed about it in the interview like you know he had he had sounded like he had done some soul searching at least and and uh uh oh just just uh, before i forget i i was uh telling jess about this the other day um I saw Jake LaMotta on the streets of New York uh, on the Upper East Side. I kicked oh, wow. myself for not saying, hey, Jake, but I was, I was doing a job up there and it was early in the morning and I'm, it was him. It was definitely him. He was wearing yeah. a, he was wearing a track suit and he was probably just out for his, his morning walk. Yeah. And I kicked, kicked myself for not saying, saying hello. Wow. But it was, a, it was, you know, because I'm such a fan of the movie, it was yeah. like a real thrill to see him, oh, see him wow. in person. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think next we can discuss um, the cinematography and the editing of this film, because that's a big piece of the film. I think it, it all this, the very, very first scene you're involved with this film and a great, I think a very, another important part of the film that is so, versatile and why it's why the film is so memorized or um, remembered i guess and uh why people love it is because it's in black and white too i think that's a important part of the film and what they i think what one of the reasons they did that was because the rocky had just came out and that was another boxing movie obviously everyone knows rocky but um it was they, a, it was a I think it was a personal thing too. Because it was, yeah. It was also that. It was, it was because as well as like, it was a period, you know, for the period authenticity. And right, he he was trying to evoke like images that he'd seen on television when he mm -hmm. was, you know, a, a kid. And of course, back then everything was in black and white. So when he thought of boxing, and boxing pictures and boxing images, moving mm -hmm. images, they were in in black and white. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as as far as box office, it's kind of uh, you know black and white films don't don't do as well as color films. Audiences yeah. don't have modern uh, you know modern audience contemporary audiences don't have as much um, tolerance for them. Yeah. Um, so it was a big gamble, but it's it's definitely uh, one of the main things that sets the movie apart from the other boxing movies that were coming out ar around that time, like the Rockies. And uh, yeah, I think it was a, a master stroke to do it in black and white. Yeah. There, just, yeah. There's, there's actually, such an, an amazing yeah, no, look. Yeah, no, totally. There's, there's plenty of reasons why too, you know, the, another one was because he didn't want to depict uh, Martin Scorsese. He didn't want to depict all that blood and color picture too. <laughs> and that's yeah. what gave it that instead of the X rating that it was actually initially going to be given because of how you know violent it was and the script too before there's scenes they would cut and I, I can't even say some of the scenes 
on the podcast because they're so they're inappropriate, like crazy. But uh, yeah, I was wondering how we were going to handle how I was wondering how we we're going to talk about this film. I mean, <laughs> there, we can't quote any lines from it because they're. You can quote some. I can believe it. In. Profanity yeah. lace. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, totally. And yeah, the, the, because the, another thing I noticed is like uh, the scenes where he's just laying on like Sugar Ray or when there's, when other, other boxers are punching him in the face, there's literally blood just squirting out, oozing, yeah. like spraying out of his head. It's yeah. out of, yeah, out of their heads. And it's, it's since it's in black and white it's not as terrible to look at but it's more it's it's more memorable to watch i think because it 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 so looks so more artistic than actual blood and i think that's another point of the film it's not meant to be it's obviously it's meant to show that violence but it's not meant to make i i feel like it is meant to make you go, oh my god, that is crazy. But it's so it it doesn't feel like that. Oh, that's disgusting. I can't l look at it. But it's like it, I I feel like I want to look at it because it's so it's entertaining. I feel, and that's the whole part of the movie. I think that those boxing scenes are so yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, the cinematography makes this makes this. Uh... <laughs> kind of awful subject matter palatable mm -hmm. you know um you it's it's uh it's so beautiful you know it's yeah. it's hard to look away from the beauty even though you're looking at something that's oftentimes hideous yeah that's, and, yeah and uh yeah the, the michael chapman's work on that film was uh just uh it's just mesmerizing and yeah and very innovative too for its time because you know this was shot on film and it was um, they didn't have you know a lot of the digital trickery that they can do nowadays. They had to kind of figure out ways to do these the old-fashioned way, mm -hmm. and uh, they were doing things like speeding up the film rates and and you know you I'm not a cinematographer obviously, but you know when you're watching it you try to figure out like well how did they do that and how did they do that it's just so creative yeah. um and i think that goes for lots of different aspects not just cinematography but like the editing and the sound design again or you know there's a lot of innovation happening how they can push this medium you know further and further yeah and you know uh and the way i think that a lot of these a lot of these things were designed to kind of reflect what was happening psychologically with the characters. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was all, you know, it's all part of the same kind of opera um, that they created. Yeah. I, I, I totally, it's, there's little things that he does. It, like, so for the camera that Martin Scorsese would do, he'd, he like he didn't want the idea of having multiple cameras, so instead he planned months of like chore choreographed movement with one camera, and so he wanted the single camera to be like a third fighter in the ring. That was his whole idea, and yeah. I think that's so it's so original and creative. And and a thing that's great about it is because it doesn't look like any other boxing movie or even sports movie that you've seen, for that matter. Because I think obviously he does Scorsese doesn't have a great knowledge of 
sports, uh, as you said before. And so how it looks so different and uh, more original is makes the film so much better because the, the way it's shot is so it, it's it's beautiful it, it's it's nothing it's nothing you've ever seen before totally there's so many shots like in each like one little punch is like five shots or something like that it's 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 incredible and it, it's it's beautiful and you know there's slow motion there's like you know he speeds it up at times and then there's shots going around the ring close up the zooms it's so so much and it's to get that every angle angle and there's little things other things that he does and i'll I'll mention that so like he would use um he would he would use uh for the final scene bet between uh Jake LaMotta and Sugar Ray Robinson he used the original shot list from the shower sequence in Psycho, Psycho. yeah wow <laughs> to help him figure it out and Scorsese later commented that what helped was that scene that it really helped him with that scene and that was for um it was, you know, in particular when he, he is up against the rope getting beaten. And that's what really helped him with that scene. And I think that's, it's pretty cool. He's, you know, taking other people's work and borrowing, I guess. So yeah, it's pretty or being amazing. Ins being, being inspired. Inspired, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's how how did, uh, so are you saying that uh, it was like the same number of shots in that? In yeah, that it, yeah, it was exactly. He used the same, so from each, every time, it's on a, it's um, a shot of say the killer and psycho, okay. uh, Anthony Perkins, and then back to, um, uh, Lee, yeah, yeah, or yeah, Vivian Lee, yeah, and so they use that same shot list that he it, that he did, and same angle, I guess, and that's yeah. what he'd do, and oh, um, wow. yeah, and then another thing that's even uh, what I love about the film is the music. Oh my god, I oh, yeah. fell I fell in love with that. I. I like I, I I listened to it like after I watched the movie. Um, yeah, I, I I fell in love. It, it's it's not obviously it's not original. The the score he didn't he didn't write it for the film. He borrowed it from uh, Pietro. Correct me if I'm Ma wrong. Mascogni. Yeah, Miss Mascogni. Yeah. Yeah, like Italian composer. I know the the music comes from like the 1870s. Yeah, and it was the music that he, you know. Again, Italian heritage. He grew up with this this, this music playing uh, when he was a kid uh, hmm. in his childhood, and so it had real meaning to him. But it has such a sort of a sad quality to it. And I just, you know, you're introduced to it in that opening, in that opening, in during the opening credits, where there's just yeah. that shot. I mean, you know right away at the, the, at the opening that this is going to be something special. I, I feel. Uh, no, like I, I, just, I I could totally agree. I, totally I just agree. get that. You know, I've seen, I forget, I think probably seen it five times now, but every time I see that sequence and I hear that, hear that music, you just get excited for what's, <laughs> for what's coming. Um, yeah. And uh, I, yeah. I, yeah. I honestly think the fact that it like, it, it's a long scene of just um Jake LaMotta preparing for the fight up and going up and down, just like shaking it, getting ready, uh, pumping his, pumping his fists and getting ready for the fight and it, slow motion. And it, he's not even center of the shot. He's right. in the corner of it. Uh, like I get to the left from the viewer's perspective. He's just like hanging out there and 
but it, you see the ring and it's all dark and you, you see almost uh, it's almost like there's fog on it eh, fog yeah. in the scene and they do that for the final where uh sugar ray is getting his fist up and he's about to punch and there's just that steam oh, yeah. or fog going <laughs> over them and that's just it's it's beautiful well i I think I read somewhere that, or saw somewhere that they actually used fire underneath the camera to create all that smoke and mist. Oh, and wow. it also creates like, you know, if you're out on, a, out on the road on a hot day and you look in the distance and the, the asphalt seems to be kind of shimmering and, and there's yeah, sort of that mirage, heat. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they used actual heat and fire to kind of create some of that atmosphere and oh, that smoky God. atmosphere and some of the, you know, blurred shots and, and it just, uh, yeah, another another kind of innovative trick. And I think that opening shot of Jake, like you could think of like, he's by himself in the ring. The movie is about this guy who's basically in his own head yeah. the whole time, right? He's by himself. He's fighting himself. Mm -hmm. He's like an animal in a cage and, you know, yeah. just move, moving around, stalking around. But he's, he's so much in his own head all the time. Um, yeah. Uh, and he won't, yeah, that's, there's that scene that makes me think of that scene where it was after a defeat, one of the defeats to Sugar Ray, and he doesn't want to let anybody in the dressing room, including Vicky. Yeah. And he's just looking at himself in the mirror, and he's got his hand in the bucket of ice. And, uh, you know, he's just very isolated and alone, I think. Yeah. And that, and that opening sequence shot is, is uh, I think, kind of, a foreshadowing of that foreshadowing of his his aloneness and his isolation yeah totally totally it was they um as the scene as the film goes on and on what they do is they they actually made the the ring larger for him and i remember it was to show that destruction self-destruction and i think they they actually made it the the yeah the entire ring larger and you can i, I noticed that like the ring looks bigger and bigger and bigger as uh right it, it was they used the ring as uh you know sort of to reflect the psychology of what he was going through yeah you know, when that, when he was winning and kind of doing better the ring was sort of big and expansive yeah, and uh, as things start to unravel, um, you know, when he's losing, the ring gets smaller and more mm -hmm. claustrophobic. Yeah, and more, more, uh, more, da a more dangerous place. Yeah, and I also heard it's like to visually achieve like Jake's growing desperation in diminishing stature. I think, and that's yeah. So that's why you would shoot it in say a large ring or smaller, and yeah. you do it that way. I think. Yeah, and so those little things that Scorsese does, and he does it with all his films, and I've heard so much more, so many things about uh, him with that. So many actors like talk about how he's, he's just quick to think and so can make these moves so quickly. And I think that's, it's so brilliant and it's such a, you know, how can you, uh, it's, it's, how can you not romanticize about the idea of like filmmaking it, it's it's incredible it's so it's beautiful and that's this is why people love this film so much because it's such a authentic real film and i heard uh i heard an interview with uh david letterman and dustin hoffman and robert de niro and dustin hoffman talked about how after he watched the movie he after he saw it in the theater he walked out 
uh, he's kind of in like an, the alleyway of the theater, uh, right beside the building. And he just broke down into tears because he had never seen such a beautiful film in such, you know, I think it really wow. touched him and personal film to him. And he, he told uh, Robert De Niro that. And, you know, obviously Robert De Niro's like, yeah, yeah, thanks. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it's pretty amazing to think that. that. And when, when I heard that interview, I saw it before I watched the movie. And I you knew, I'm like, oh, I got to watch that movie. I got to, I got to see that. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I got, I got a few questions for you though. Sure. Um, yeah. But, so, um, do you think this is Scorsese's best film? For me, it's the one that I gravitate to. Well, that and Taxi Driver. I've probably seen them both about the same number of times. Mm -hmm. But if I, you know, if I think of my desert island films, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this maybe I would want something more uplifting with me on a desert island. <laughs> but um, if I wanted, if I if I wasn't, if I knew I wasn't going to get off the island and I was going to die in the island, then I would want to go out watching some great art. And I think this is definitely uh, fits the bill as far as great yeah. art. So, um, you know, there's yeah. so many, there's so many great ones, but I, I think you know, personally, I think it's, it's his, it's his best, his it's, best work. It's definitely not a feel good film. That's for sure. You know, some people, I feel like people think going into it that it's kind of a feel good movie, but it's pretty sad. I, I remember after I watched it, I just, it's, I really felt sad. I, I was and it was almost a feeling I'd never felt after watching a movie. I've never felt this, um, you know, not let down, but I, I felt down. That, that was the thing. I just felt like, wow. That, yeah, you, it's, it's, you, can't, it's, you can't shrug this movie off. You know, mm -hmm. it, you can't get it out of your head. And it has that sort of, uh, it has the power to really kind of tap into your emotions and, and stay there. I mean, it, just, it makes, it makes you really feel uh, what he wants you to feel and what you, I mean, you, you bring your own thing <clears throat> to it, of course, but uh -huh. um, you know, it, it has tremendous, I think, tremendous staying power mm -hmm. and it's, and, and yeah, it's not a, you don't watch it and go like, wow, that was, <laughs> let's see that again yeah you know you gotta you gotta wait a few years before you watch it again because i think uh, so yeah it's delicate it's a delicate film i think you need to yeah. choose the right you gotta time. savor it you yes savor exactly it, exactly savor it throughout your life you watch uh -huh. it every 10 years or so and then you put it away and you come back to it and you probably learn something different each time you watch it exactly um, i hadn't seen it uh you know i watched it on last week i hadn't seen it in maybe a decade Wow, and um, and I don't need to watch it again for another decade. You know, yeah. it's uh, and I definitely felt. I think I felt you were saying I felt this sort of sadness um, that I don't remember having felt watching it before. Like I think before, I was just so tuned into like how what an artistic achievement it was, yeah. and what a beautiful film it was. Mm -hmm. um, but. You know, you got to be careful when you watch this film. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, totally. It it exactly yeah exactly it taps into you got you got to like kind of clear your schedule for the next few days because your head's going to be stuck in this film. <laughs> and you're going to be feeling sad for a few days. Yeah, I know. And, and you want to not... you want to watch this film like on your on your wedding night or like 
Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> That's going to set a bad precedent. Actually, actually, you could watch it on your wedding night, and then anything you do in your marriage, you're going to look better than than Jake LaMotta. That's so, true. Yeah, you learn from him. So yeah. goal. Just say, say, at least I'm not Jake LaMotta. Yeah. But, so, uh, yeah. Do you think uh, this is De Niro's best performance? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, I would say yes, hands down. Yeah. No question. Yeah. I mean, oh, man. There's so, so many to choose from. <laughs> so I good. mean, I, I love, I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think this is the role and who am I to say? You'd have to ask De Niro this, but I would say it's the most demanding, demanding role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the most demanding role is probably going to be the one that um, if he's in his prime, which we, I think we both agree that he was around that, that period. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the most demanding remote role is going to get the, the best performance is going yeah. to get his best work. And, and uh, I don't think any other role that I've seen him in asks, well, yeah. so, asks so much of him. Um, and yeah, I think it's his best role. I think the best films or the best character films or best performances are where characters are developing and, and changing you know obviously taxi driver he's incredible in that but in that film he doesn't as much his his character i feel doesn't change he's very similar or he he stays the same but he has these different um he, he in taxi driver he but it's more like his his performance is based you know how he acts and how he looks it's like anton Chigurh and there will be blood i think you know that performance is incredible but his character pretty much stays the same throughout his performance and then that's or same with like cape him and cape fear as max katie uh that's the same for me i love him in that but in raging bull his character is has so much more emotion to deal with I feel yeah. There's so much more. We see so much more depth. Uh, Kate, Katie is sort of like Katie. Katie doesn't really, yeah. He he doesn't. Uh, there are, there aren't there aren't the same level of. Mm-hmm. We don't see Katie in a in a relationship. We don't see him with brothers or lovers or anything yeah. like that. We just see him as this sort of like antagonistic force, you know, yeah. uh, that won't exactly. go away. But in Raging Bull, we see it's a it's a family drama. We see him. You know, uh, we see him in the midst of all these different situations from the boxing ring to uh, to his marriage, to his relationships with all these different people. And so there's just so much he's bouncing off of so many different things. You know, we see it to see so many different aspects of, of his character Yeah, in all these different kinds of situations. So it's a very demanding part. And I think, uh, you know, unquestionably, he, he nails it like mm-hmm. like no one else could i th- i think yeah totally so i uh, this isn't really like a deep question but like when i when i watched it i was like okay this is ridiculous she uh vicky does not look like a 15 year old at all and same with and de niro at the beginning he's supposed to be a 19 and when he played this he was for, born in 43 came out in 1980 let's say Right. Uh, late 30s yeah late 30s or something like that uh-huh. 37 i guess yeah i think i okay. don't know but uh i don't I, this is 19 year old do you think he, he looks was... he looks <laughs> I, that was the one thing for me the flaw 
He okay. did not look like a 19-year-old to me. He did not look like a 19-year-old, and she did not look 15 to me. I think I think that pretty much wraps it up for now. Hey, well, thanks uh, for having me. It was just, uh, really fun to talk you. to you about yeah. this, this film. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Definitely have to do another episode. Sure, I got to go back and listen to, to your back catalog. Yeah, 100%. Definitely do that. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to my podcast. You can listen to me on uh, Spotify and Amazon Music. And you can follow me on Instagram, too, at same name. There will be movie reviews where I post updates on uh, podcasts that are coming up soon. Uh, but thanks, everyone. I'll see, uh, I'll see you all next week. Thanks, Brad, for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.